0: This is Brian Q. Miller. This is John Carlo Volpe. Hi, my name is Jeremy Adams. This is Chris Jones. This is Jason Spezak. This is Josh Keaton. This is Phil Morris. And you're listening to Across the Airwaves. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are tonight's <laughs> entertainment. Here all the, <laughs> the, <world>. the sharp, <laughs> spray. None of the Robins ever complain. You're going to mess like a green And show you just how powerful I really am. I Always hold it. us all right. this, I know we should escape my sight. Let those who worship might be where my power green
1: lantern <laughs> But let the universe howl in despair for I have returned. We have no more use for this one. Kill. Hi everyone and welcome to Across the Airwaves DC Nation podcast. There you play so far the internet to find podcast reviews, got all of the imaginative content DC Comics provides for its fans, including comic books, Brian Q. Miller's fantastic Smallville Season 11, got movies. i of course, Dan Schmidt, your host. Got with me, because someone who is ready to speak his piece today, got an enormous topic that we're going to discuss. God, our very own... Michael J. Petty. And on this week's episode, Michael, can you share with us the gargantuan discussion that we're going to have that's going to be quite controversial may have people coming after us with torches and pitchforks
0: which is absolutely fine on this week's episode of the dc nation podcast we will be first of all finishing up our coverage of the zero year tie-in with catwoman 25 and the flash 25 which also doubles as the final issue by Frank Manipal on the flash book after that, we will also be covering Smallville season 11 special issue 4, which for those of you who don't know, is Smallville Titans on the digital and is the Titans arc, which is also very exciting. But our main event on this week's episode is going to be a compare and contrast of both DC Comics and Marvel Comics, where we'll be going through comic books, animation, television, and film, seeing which company we enjoy more. In each of those four areas. So we're covering everything, folks. Yes. Again, this is an opinion podcast. This is not fact. We will be saying some facts, but for the most part, we are stating our mind. And if you don't agree
1: with us, that's fine. We're not angry at you, so don't be angry at us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And if you guys want to email us and tell us what you think on the subject and how you feel about it, or leave us voicemail or something like that, we're totally up to that. We're not against it. We'll, of course, read it or play it or whatever on, on the air, and we'll we'll talk about it. But but these are just our thoughts on which, which one we enjoy more in each of these four scenarios. So
1: beware of our opinions.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, because unfortunately, the Internet is so dumb. And if you're not right, then, I mean, you're the wrong. Internet is so dumb, guys. It, it really is, especially Twitter when people are arguing about stupid stuff. I think people just go on Twitter to argue because they feel like arguing. I think so. And quite honestly, I go on Twitter to, in, to like and, and enjoy what I enjoy and to tell people that I enjoy it. And then people come at me and they're like, that sucks. Or I love that too. And it's like, really, guys, just just like what you like. Don't worry about what other people like. Yes. But on that note, we are going to be sharing with you what we like. So yes. This is like an open form Twitter discussion. Right? Yes. But over 140 characters.
1: With two people that aren't going to kill each other
0: after it's over. Right. Yes. Because even Dan and I disagree on something. Yes. So, there you go.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) And if you listen to Wu and I's latest Tangent Time, episode 8, then then that is a prologue to this episode. Subtitled, Battle Royale. Yeah, exactly. That's what I should have titled it, but I just titled it T-A-N-G-E-N-T Time. Because, you know, we talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, talked about, yeah, let's just go with that. Talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Yeah. All right. This
1: will be different. So you want to knock those zero books out so we can get out to the big animal we're going to
0: unleash? Let's do that. Okay. Which one do you want to start with? Catwoman, probably? Yeah, let's go with Catwoman. An untold tale of Catwoman in this tie-in to Batman Zero Year. Journey back to Selena's early days as a thief and find out why she's always worked alone. That... This, this was not written by Ann Nocenti. Yes. Which was so good. Gun. Sorry. She cannot write Catwoman.
1: Well, this issue, it was interesting uh, seeing Catwoman run around in brown. Yeah. Because the idea for her equipment and... Uh, Catwoman outfit came for a mountain climbing gear that she happened to stumble upon while robbing some random guy.
0: Now, I feel like she's had a brown costume before. Is this a reference to that, or is this its own thing? Because I don't honestly remember. The one I could think of is I could think of the purple outfit
1: that she wore. Was it that in the 90s she had that?
0: Yeah, she had that in the 90s, and of course she had her purple one in the... Uh... Original comic.
1: Right, that's the one with the cape.
0: Yeah, with the green cape, yeah.
1: The green cape, and then there was... um, The, you know, Batman... Not animated series, but... um, Batman, the old TV series version. Yeah. That black leather thing with the,
0: the cat ear headband. Because I, I, I can't... I, I don't know. I feel like it's familiar, but at the same time, it feels new. Right. Because then
1: there's now the, the black leather... Jumpsuit that she wears, and of course there was the 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 look she had in Batman Returns.
0: Yep, with and, the
1: stitches and the leather costume. Yep. Uh, but yeah, this was. I don't think she's ever worn brown before, Michael.
0: Yeah, I think you'd probably be right. Except
1: she she was transformed into a brown cat person in
0: that weird episode of Batman The made series. Yeah, with Dr. Milo. Yes. Yeah. Dr. Milo, who is unjustly unlimited. Yeah.
1: So there was that episode. Um. Yeah. Now, this is the thing with it. Did you think she was out of character in this? <laughs>
0: I felt, like, if you're going by year one, and if you're going by what we know of Catwoman um, from post-crisis, I think it would be out of character. But in terms of the new 52, I don't necessarily think so. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: I thought she just didn't have the confidence that she's exhibited later on when she's Catwoman.
0: Well, and I think part of that is because she'd been doing it for six years at that point. Right. Right. Like in like currently, where she's in the Justice League of America, and she's you know has her own book and all that, and working with Batman occasionally, she's been experienced. She's had she's been doing this for about six years, so she's used to all the weird stuff and she's used to spending for herself and stuff like that. But here, it's her first time.
1: Now, did do you think Batman might have trained her?
0: That's what I was. That's why I was actually
1: wondering, because I feel like he needed help in stopping the blackout in the storm afterwards. And she was someone he recruited to help.
0: Like the network that he has like before the New 52 started? Right. Yeah. I can see that. And
1: the situation was so desperate he had to kind of team up with shady people to get things resolved. Yeah. But then again, here with this issue the way it was thought, Catwoman is much less a villain now. Of The new
0: fifty-two. Well, and really, after the nineties, she wasn't a villain anyway. Right. Like Hasha, but spe- specifically. Yes, in
1: both storylines. Yeah. Because they they had the, they had the one where, you know, they had got together. Batman revealed the secret, and then they had the other one where, Hart, where uh, not Hart, heart, where that heart, Hush, took out her heart.
0: Yep. Yeah. And he had to say yep. That was a weird story, but it was really good.
1: It was a good Batman-Catwoman story.
0: Yeah. It was a good Hush story, too.
1: Oh, yeah, of course, of course. But that was interesting, and that was kind of the finale for Hush in in that continuity. But I think that maybe she plays a part. I'm hoping it's zero year because the story continues because she did play a big part in year one so i think all that needs to be addressed
0: i, I mean i liked it it's john layman who wrote it he's the current writer of detective comics he's really good so i i, I can't really complain a whole lot yes. i mean I, it, it feels weird what's really funny is the only time i've ever bought a new 52 catwoman issue is when it ties into something else so yes. i have the two death of the family tie-ins. I have the tie-in it did with issue 19 uh, with justice league of America. And then I have this zero year tie-in, but I haven't actually like bought an issue of the book outside of that. Yeah. And I, I don't know each, each tie-in, I mean, they're all good, but they don't necessarily make me want to keep reading the book, which is sad, right. but it's kind of how I feel about it.
1: And really they just have her as a, as a Robin Hood character.
0: Good. story
1: could establish her as that.
0: Yeah, so I think that probably wraps up Catwoman. Yes, I agree. I think that sums it
1: up. Fun issue, kind of another one, where it was a young female hero getting empowered, much like Batwoman and Batgirl.
0: Yes, and Batwoman was so good. Yes. Like, really, like I did not expect that at all, and it was fantastic. Yeah. But yeah. Moving on to
1: another fantastic book. Which I thought was fitting to talk about with the Flash speed big of the news, for being on Arrow, the final Francis Mandipool issue of Flash.
0: A Batman Zero Year tie-in. What a what crucial part did Barry Allen play in the Zero Year saga, and how did it shape his future as the Flash? Well, first of all, this shaped it
1: big time because it was Barry's first meeting with Iris West.
0: Which didn't take place in Central City. Right. <laughs> Which was weird.
1: Yes. But I guess apparently they had both grown up there and never knew each other. Which How I don't know. why
0: actually makes sense if you think about it, because people who grow up in cities all their lives don't always get to know each other. That is true.
1: Maybe this is something how Francis Manipool met his
0: girlfriend or wife or, you know, whatever. Let me say this right now. I've been waiting 25 issues for Barry Allen to kiss Iris West on the lips. And now I finally got it. And I'm really happy. (laughs) It's like Francis
1: Manipool said, all right guys, I'm not leaving the book until they kiss.
0: And actually it's more than 24 it's more than 25 issues. It's actually like 27 or 8 because of zero issues, villain issues, and it's actually close to 30 issues I've been waiting. I'm so glad I finally got it. But this was the beginning of their relationship. Yes, unfortunately it was not. Yeah, it's not in the present, but it was good enough for me because it was their finale issue and I'm like, yeah, because, I like, really, if if we're talking about the Flash book as a whole, this maybe wasn't the best issue for a finale. I think issue 24 probably would have been. But it it definitely paid off the fans who really have liked Francis Manipal's role.
1: Well, and I was kind of disappointed with it being a way for him to go out because I thought it wasn't going to move and flow at the speed that book goes. Yeah. Because the Flash didn't have his powers. Yeah. And it still kept up that same pace. Yeah. Of always being in in motion. God, that was a big thing, and I know I'm going to butcher his name. Because people are going to shoot me for it. But uh, Carmine or Carmine Infantino, who was the original artist of The Flash, he started that out. God, the book feeling like it's always moving at super speed or always moving, like uh, Barry Allen. Yeah. And so uh, Francis Matterpool... Did a great job of capturing that. God, I'm glad he was able to maintain that. Even in the book where
0: Barry didn't have his powers. I agree. I agree. It was definitely an exciting book. Let's let's just cause he because I mean what and what's really ironic that we're talking about this the same week, um, the scientist, the arrow episode with Barry Allen errors is that both the scientist and this issue of the flash had Barry Allen without powers, and he was still the same. He was still excited yeah. to read about. We still really enjoyed his story. Even without his power, he was still heroic. And I and I really like that because Barry Allen, above every character in comic books, I think, is the most consistent character there is. Yes. Because even in Elk World stories, he's the same guy. Whereas Superman has changed every now and then in Elf World stories. Batman has changed. Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. I mean, you have Captain America, Spider-Man, all of them. They've all changed at one point or another. Yeah. But Jay Allen has never changed. And that's what I love about the character, is that he's still cool even today.
1: And that's why it was very controversial when they added that backstory with Reverse Flash killing his mother. Right. Because people were like, he's always the same. He never had some dark thing I that motivated lo- him to be a
0: hero. I loved that that was on Arrow. That, yes. That best. I Like, I, I squealed. I really did.
1: I'm not going to take too much away from your Longbow Hunters episode.
0: Which you'll be on, by the way, so check that out.
1: But I want to see that sequence of Reverse Flash killing Barry's mom be the opening sequence for the pilot.
0: The Flash pilot. Yes. Yeah.
1: Because it's got that lasting effect that I thought the opening to Supernatural had with the death of the Winchester's mother.
0: I absolutely agree. Absolutely, 100%. So
1: if you're going to suck somebody into that Flash, show, that's how you've got to start it.
0: Yep. And you have to have Barry Watch. I'm sorry. I know that's terrible, but that's the only way it's going to work. Well, it was crazy that the reverse Flash ran off with him.
1: I ran off with him like 30, you know, 30 blocks away or whatever he said. Yeah. Described it as in the episode. So Uh, great stuff. Great origin stories. Zero-year stories for Flash. All the way around on Arrow, into
0: this book. Yeah, I mean, like, I know you love Wally West, but I think I love Barry Allen just as much as you love Wally West. I I just cannot get enough of this He's growing on me in the same way. Yeah. But I like both characters for the same reason. They are both very similar. And even in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, even though it's Wally West, really, he has more Barry Allen characteristics, which is really funny.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think Wally was a little more goofy.
0: Yeah.
1: But but Barry, you know, he's goofy in different ways, and he's got kind of a real, I'd say, Peter Parker vibe about him. Yeah. Um, And uh, I liked in this issue how we had him interact with some characters we've never seen him interact with before. Like Bullock and Barry Allen was great.
0: Yeah.
1: Just how different their philosophies are as cops yes, because they've not really had an optimistic cop get her act with Bullock God, that was really interesting
0: yeah because even Montoya I mean, she's optimistic but she's not that optimistic
1: and I'm wondering if they're going to play with that notion
0: when Manipole moves over to Detective Comics I mean he's proven that he can write Harvey Bullock so I mean I I and he's proven he can do Gotham City really well yeah both in art and in writing so I I I'm really excited for him to be on Detective I think I think he starts with issue like twenty nine or thirty but yeah I'm really excited for that
1: I I'm just interested to see how he's going to do dark because he's done light with well he's done Flash which is light but the new fifty two had darker tones of
0: course yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. That's the only thing I'm not so sure how they're going to do. But I have I have faith in, these, or in this guy.
1: He's going to write some Batman villains
0: very, very well, though. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just, again, I'm so sad he's leaving the flat Because I, I do want to keep reading this book, but at the same time, if he's not writing it, I don't. I'm kind of torn. Well, who's taking over? Do you know? I I think the one guy who's working with him, the Brian B, I, I can't okay. I think he's on Booster it. With stint. Okay. I don't think he's on it as the main guy. Okay. I, I think actually they're changing. I think they change every every issue or every other issue until they get a new guy for sure. But I don't know.
1: Well, it was a great send-off, and and we'll see where this book ends up after uh, Forever Evil is done, too. Yeah. Because of the Rogue's Revenge story and where that's going. Let me shake things
0: up. Yeah, it seems like Brian uh, Bustoletto is going to be staying on the book.
1: Okay. Guan, that's good, because he and Manipole were working together. So they may have come up with the story for the future um, with Menopole just
0: not writing for it. Well, and he's writing Rogue's Rebellion, too. Okay, yeah. Which is actually, yeah. So that that actually helps. Yeah. So
1: we've got that story kind of already kind of knowing where it's going to go. So that helps with the transition. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that sums up the Zero Year books. Yep. Um, We're going to continue discussing Zero Year with... The next Batman issue comes out.
0: Which I think is next week.
1: Right. Along with, I think, probably some Forever Evil stuff. Yeah. I would assume. So God, we'll continue our comic coverage with that stuff.
0: Yep. And Zero Year, the tie-ins were very good overall. Very good tie-ins. Yes, very it's good. Very rare for a big thing like this. They Have... were worthwhile tie-ins. Yeah.
1: And they were also very good motivators to get us to read some of the books yeah catwoman not so much but batwoman for sure got batwing definitely
0: wing jeez, and even red hood to an extent yes red hood was awesome yes i'm 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 the only thing that is i am disappointed they didn't do a teen titans one for tim drake yeah that's the only thing I'm disappointed about. But even so, like, they had good enough tie-ins that, like, Green Arrow was amazing. Even Iron yeah. Core was very good. So I was I was happy.
1: For sure. All right. Well, before we get into our big topic of DC versus Marvel, uh, we're going to briefly touch upon the Smallville Titans issue. Because that's been a long time coming for us. Uh, the way that story is structured with only being four parts, and we thought it was kind of pointless. To try and review it bit by bit. Because there just wasn't enough substance to it, I think, to just review it in pieces. Yep. So we're going to talk about now Smallville Titans, the entire arc.
0: Jay Garrick has opened a school for, for youth with special talents and abilities to train a promising new generation of superheroes however things fall apart as a mysterious foe determined to take down the new titans team attacks the san francisco pier putting these young heroes to their absolute limits
1: now is this a part of the
0: regular smallville comic numbering um or is this its own number one thing it is okay and this is where it gets confusing, guys. It is not under the Smallville season eleven issues. So issues, issue issue uh, nineteen, the last issue of Olympus, or and I'm talking about print here. That was the final issue of Smallville season eleven. That okay. that title is over. the The current title that's on now, the main Smallville title that's on now, is Smallville Alien, which uh, I believe we either covered issue one or are going to, and I don't remember which is. Um. Yeah, I'm sorry. Right. Um, Titans is different because it was the first um, story to be uh, its own miniseries digitally. Yes. But, but, and this is where it gets confusing again, it's not actually its own print issue. Okay. It's getting a print issue with all four parts in one issue, but it's not Smallville Titans issue one. It's actually Smallville Season 11 Special, issue four, much like... Valkyrie, and Hollow Work. Okay. So it and that comes out January 29th of twenty fourteen. So that is not out yet. But um but the arc is done as of today digitally. Digitally, so, yes. So you gotta wait another uh month and a half, guys. Sorry about that. You buy it, print. But, so
1: if you don't want it spoiled, don't listen to this. Right. Skip over this. Or go on to com, go download it from there.
0: Yep. There are only four digital issues, so. 99 cents a piece. Yeah, it costs, it actually costs less to buy it digitally than it does in print. So it's yep. some incentive for you. Exactly, exactly.
1: Got this one, I mean, this was was for the Teen Titans Young Justice fans. Yep. Um, the opening was totally a throwback to the old Cartoon Network Teen Titans series. Yep. Oh, uh, with the attack at the fairgrounds.
0: I think so, yep.
1: Got them fighting chemo. God. No, fighting Dr. Phosphorus. Oh, Dr. Phosphorus, I'm sorry. Dr. <laughs> Phosphorus, Chemo, they're all kind of no. chemical-based people. Yeah. But, so they're fighting, they're doing their thing, Good. Uh, Superboy is one of the Tea Titans along with Miss Martian, which that, of course, was for the Teen Titans fans, coming I mean, to Young Justice fans.
0: And they have a relationship, yay! Yes,
1: that made the shippers happy. Uh, we've got Speedy. Yeah. Who everyone wanted to come back to Smallville at some point. Right. Never did. Then uh, kind of, we've got Zan and Jada. Uh, and then of, kind of Blue Got Blue yes. So, plenty of people for our Super Friends and Young Justice fans to get excited about. Absolutely. Okay. And reference to tea time stuff. And Justice Society. guys. their leader is Jay Garrick.
0: I feel like he's more of the cyborg figure. Okay. Than leader. Because it seems like Superboy is the leader. Right, he's more the mentor.
1: Yeah. He's he's like the, you know, Batman to the group. Like how Batman was with Young Justice in season one.
0: Now I will be honest, while I'm totally up for Jay Garrick being the mentor for this team, which I think is awesome by the way, I, I am a little saddened that um cyborg. Wasn't that guy that he didn't take over that role because because not only would I love to see him in this book again because he needs to be on Smallville again, especially in wake of the actor's death, uh, rest in peace. But I, I do I do think that it would be really cool for an ex-Titan in terms of the comic books to lead this group of Titans, especially in wake of Bart Allen, who is also a Titan's death.
1: Well, I think the situation. Because because Cyborg is a Justice League guy. Yeah.
0: Now he's in Justice League. That's yeah. That's the only thing. Which is which is sad because I thought it would have worked perfectly, but it's also cool, very cool to see Jay Garrick do this.
1: I agree. I agree. And uh, from there, basically, we see Superboy have Edgar issues. Much like Clark did in earlier seasons of Smallville, got the fact that he's a half Lex clone comes out as being a part of that anger. And we get a little bit of a kind of a romantic moment between Megan and Superboy, where they talk about their issues and anger and being associated with evil people. Guys, in you know Superboy being with Lex Luthor and Megan being a White Martian yep and they kind of work out their differences,' Cause then we go downstairs and things get a little crazy, don't they?
0: Just a little bit
1: as Rose Wilson, otherwise known as ravager to u t Titan's comic book fans, Slade Wilson's daughter comes in and wants to kill a whole bunch of people, yep, because she stabs Zan, which yep. was shocking.
0: And puts a bomb on Blue Beetle.
1: Yes, so he can't change. And Jaina is horrified. Yes. And it's not cool. And Mia's angry.
0: Uh, Mia's ticked.
1: So she goes and tries to fight Ravager. Ravager kicks her butt. Jay gets involved. Jay gets taken out very quickly. It's just not good all around. Yeah. Um. then we got some disheartening moments we got a scare that Stargirl was killed
0: yeah oh my gosh I was so freaked out
1: god they talked about how she went after how Stargirl showed up trying to sell her cookies yeah she came out from behind the door and it looked like she shot her but then we found out later on that she's
0: okay Which means, the which by the way, Ravager, Ravager, Rose, anyway, Rose, she actually uh, drops that she took care of the Angel of Vengeance as well. Yes. If you remember from season five, the episode Vengeance. uh, Uh, Episode 101. Yes. The character from the comics known as Akrata, but in the show called Angel of Vengeance, Andrea Rogis. I I was uh, glad that they revealed that Rose hasn't really killed anyone. Because we could see that character again, which is very exciting because we haven't seen her since season five and the Vengeance Chronicles.
1: Right. And also we could have uh, Rose still maybe join the Titans.
0: I don't know if I would want to be her teammate after all that, to be honest. Oh, that's true. I don't know. Like, I think I think that's what Connor is probably thinking because he wants like Clark. He wants to see the good in her. But I, I don't. I don't know if I would be okay with that as one of the heroes, especially Zan.
1: Yeah, well, that's something they can work out. Gen Zan basically healed himself by taking the form of water or ice.
0: Ice yeah.
1: And Jaina turning into a giant dinosaur, and don't worry, the dinosaur was with them.
0: That was so cool. That was very cool that that Jaina turned into a dinosaur. Like, they actually did something with their powers that was very useful. Yes. Zan was kept alive by turning to ice, and Jaina turned into a dinosaur. But all they really did was knock
1: down a wall, so... Yeah, but even so. At least it gave Oliver something to do with it. He had to explain why he wasn't there.
0: Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly.
1: So that was that was good. Okay, I really thought it was clever. I uh, well done how they did the fight with... Rose and Superboy. Yes. With Rose pulling out the Kryptonite sword and yeah. all of that. God, really something that could have been done on the show quite easily. What was still cool comic book wise. Um and Megan's part of that was awesome. With controlling me as arrows, so she could basically threaten to shoot the bat, um Rose, which was neat. Yeah, So good stuff there.
0: I also really liked that they gave Connor Tackle telekinesis, like he has in the comics. Yes. Because that wasn't something he had on the show. He just had Kryptonian powers on the show, but I'm glad that they developed that here. It's a complicated thing to show and explain sometimes. Yeah. And I thought they did a good job with that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with all the arrows just hovering around Rose. Yes.
1: God, Superman's cameo at the end was very nice. <laughs>
0: Yes, that was so cool to have a moment between them. Gwani
1: well, congratulating them and just saying, Okay, I'm going to the present, I'm gonna do this. It's gonna change things very quickly. Yeah. For that what the S symbol means and stuff like that. Can kind I of really hope that means that Cutter may get a small part
0: or a cameo somewhat um in alien. I, I almost wonder if someone's gonna go after him and use him as an example. That's possible, too. But that seemed like it was setting up Connor having a
1: part to play an alien, which would be cool. Because we already saw Supergirl in it, so why
0: not put him in it? Well, it's a very, like, Superman family-related story. Like, it cannot just be Clark having to deal with this alone, especially after you've introduced characters like Connell and Kara. Because they have to deal with it, too. Well, it seemed
1: like a very uh, Smallville family issue. Yeah. Like the family they built around them were involved in this story because Chloe is involved in Alien as well. Yeah. Could I feel like she's someone that Clark and both Lois view as family because she's a part of the Superman family as much as um, Connor and Clark's mom and cause Supergirl are as well. Absolutely. So, yeah.
0: I think so, yeah. hmm so, all in all, I really enjoyed Titan. I thought it was very... And I thought the drawing was... The art was absolutely fantastic.
1: I was very much so looking forward to the parts of these issues coming out. Uh, yeah. It was a good story. Just too long
0: to wait between the parts, I thought. And that was due to Alien, unfortunately. Yeah. And and the end of Olympus, but... Oh, well.
1: I was very, I was very happy with this. And, uh, good way to do the team-up. I really think Introducing new heroes should be more done in these specials books, yeah. Um, rather than being a whole
0: full-fledged twelve-part story arc. And even if you have Clark in those special books, that's yeah. totally fine. But I
1: think you can introduce these stories and do origin stories within one issue.
0: Yeah. Instead of three.
1: Because look at the zero-year books and how they did that.
0: Yeah. And that yeah, and each of those was just one print issue. If you can do four digital chapters and put it all into one print issue and just have an origin story for Smallville's Green Lantern or Smallville's Barry Allen or something like that. Like i yeah, absolutely. And really what they need to do is an Aquaman book. But you know. Right. They they've gotta bring that guy back. Him and Cyborg.
1: I agree. I agree. I know people would ask about
0: those characters. Well and, and what's even better is you could partner them together in the next special. Yeah. Because they've been known to partner together on this show. Exactly. That's a good call. Bring them both in. That'd be awesome. If they're going to continue doing specials, because
1: I know it seems like DC wants to pull back a bit.
0: Which is which is sad, but oh well.
1: Yeah. I mean, the party's got to end
0: sub I guess. That's true. And as long as we get Clark's story continuing, I would I would sacrifice stink Cyborg and i again for that.
1: Or, or even, you know they play a part in the story is fine. Yeah. Because a lot of TV shows have multiple plot lines going on within the same story, so I wouldn't mind if that happens in the story arc.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Alright, so let's move on to the big animal. Show you how and when will you be there? you belong you belong you belong you belong to the Justice League of america yes the DC versus Marvel battle royale <laughs> and hopefully it won't take up too much of your time but I think you guys will enjoy the conversation so I let's hope. go with that yeah we we hope so at least so, you want to start this off, Michael? We don't have a summary, but. Yeah, we don't. Do some announcer man introductions through something to this?
0: Sure, why not? Um, the first category we will be discussing for the DC vs. Marvel Battle Royale is comic books, and we'll be talking about the origins of both DC and Marvel a little bit, but we'll mainly be talking about the present and what one company is doing better as opposed to the other. Well, I think we could start
1: off saying that DC gets the credit for bringing out the origin of comic books. Absolutely. Especially in terms of superheroes as we know it.
0: Well, I mean superheroes themselves, that name, that title is after Superman. Right. Without Superman, the word superhero wouldn't exist.
1: Good. So I think everybody, Marvel, DC, could agree on that statement.
0: Now <laughs> – we, w- we will admit to this, because this is, in fact, true in Marvel Comics. In Marvel Comics, in those first issues uh, with the Human Torch and Namor, Marvel Comics did do the first team-up comics, yes. which teamed up the original Human Torch, uh, Jim Hammond, I believe is his name, with Namor the Submariner. Yes. And actually what they did is they fought against each other, and then they fought against a common enemy, but they were the first ones to do team-up stories. So Marvel gets credit there, but DC definitely gets the credit for the first superheroes. Yes, exactly. And probably, and this is controversial, but the greatest, not going to lie, Superman and Batman. Come on.
1: Well, and the, the thing about the Batman comics, they were very dark when they first started out. Yes. They're, they were very similar to what they kind of are now. Could um, be They were more fit the time of the 30s, but they were very similar. And also, Christopher Nolan used them as reference for The Dark Knight especially. Yeah. So, just throwing that out there. Uh, what happened was DC... Some of it was they kind of got their hands tied due to the comic code. DC Comics became almost childish. They were written for children. That's how it was. Um, nobody really took comic books seriously so the writers just didn't feel they needed to put kinda want to say effort but they just didn't want to put so much creativity into it because they just thought it was a nowhere job, it was a stepping stone to get to a bigger profession mm-hmm. and there wasn't the money in it at the time you know and so what happened is their comics started to get a little cheesy and Stanley picked up on both Marvel and DC's comics, just kind of being poorly written. So Stanley decided to make it better by coming out with the Fantastic Four. God, these were superheroes with real life problems.
0: Yeah.
1: And so for a long time Marvel had surpassed DC because they had addressed real life issues.
0: And then the eighties. Then the eighties came. I would even say seventies. Yeah, probably with Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Batman. Yes, Neil
1: Adams, Batman, and the the Green Arrow and Green Lantern books.
0: Right, and, and the Longbow Hunter, Mike Rell's Green Arrow Run and yes. all that. These were younger writers
1: that saw what Marvel was doing. And were fans of Marvel. I took that and started applying it to D C. So Marvel was still superior in sales and stuff. But there's D C coming up closely behind building up towards them
0: and quite honestly i don't even know if you could say one book was better than the other because i don't know if i'd want i'd I'd be comfortable with saying uh, stanley's amazing spider-man is better or worse than neil adams batman right because you i mean they're following the same sort of formula at that point where they're both superhero stories but they're both relatable and applicable to everyday lives but they're so different and the characters are so different that I don't know if either one of them was necessarily better, but Marvel was selling better at the time. So.
1: Right. And, and at the time, I mean, Green Arrow, Green Lantern were some of the stronger books. Um, yep. New duty Titans was a strong book. Yep. Batman was strong. Batman, I think has been strong forever.
0: He was strong even in the forties and fifties,
1: but Superman was kind of getting rough. Uh, I think The Flash and Green Lantern were. Well, I mean, it's more so The Flash. God, kind of Wonder Woman and characters like that were losing momentum. Um, Wonder Woman went through a big change
0: for a while in the 70s yeah. where she was powerless. And had that hideous white outfit, which Brian Q. Miller did so much better in Olympus.
1: Right. And again, Denny O'Neill said that was a mistake. He's come out and said that, and, and that was resolved. Um. And DC had to do something there. they were going to be in trouble. So they came up with the Infinite Crisis to make their comics even more like Marvel, with superheroes with real-life problems. We got things like the Death of Superman. Frank Miller came out with the Dark Knight stuff. Watchmen. Watchmen. I mean, these were dark... Comics that DC was coming out with, but Marvel was still going strong. They had X Men, which was selling unbelievably. Oh. And that book was great, and that's because could add Jim Lee on it. And this, and by this time, this is the
0: nineties. Yes. Got anything with Jim Lee? Is gold. Which, by the way, I have to tell you because I I want to be able to brag about this. I have X Men issue one. I have all four puzzle covers. Nice. <laughs> I.
1: On each of them. That, that is brilliant animation. Yes. I mean, I mean, artwork that brought on the animation that went into the Fox Kids X-Men series. Yes. yes. That was all from Jim Lee.
0: Uh, and that's how he got well-known, really. Yes. like That book was what made him, like, he would not be one of DC's top guys right now if not for that book. Right. Because really, DC owes Marvel for Jim Lee. Well, they kind
1: of owe each other. They need each other to accomplish the things that they had accomplished.
0: Exactly. And and the same with Jeff Loeb and Marvel. If if not for his fantastic work here at DC, he would not be at Marvel.
1: Right. And then there became a situation, and it's not so much like this over at Marvel anymore because Stan Lee had left and things had changed. But there were a lot of young writers getting this feeling. Jim Lee was one of them um, who got the feeling that Stan was being too controlling. Mm-hmm. He wasn't letting them do what they wanted. Yeah. Um, and there was a story that this happened years before with Jack Kirby. Cause Jack Kirby had left and went to D.C. And I think because of that, these younger writers went over to D.C. Yeah, And were given their own opportunity to do what they wanted. God, that's why those comics got better, because basically now Marvel's talent that they had in the 90s that made something like Men so good 'Cause working for DC. Yes. Kind running DC now. In the case yeah. of Jim Lee. Cause he's the editor. Yeah. And because of this, we're to where we are now, where DC seems to be kicking a little bit of butt when it comes to the comic books. Cause yeah. I know there's older Marvel fans out there. I know one personally who is against the new fifty two doesn't like the concept, thinks it's going too far. He is primarily primarily a Marvel person. When he grew up, he's absolutely right. Marvel was the better books, and he enjoys those stories better. But if you're a kid now, this day and age, you're going to like DC better, I think.
0: At least in terms of comic
1: books. Right. If you're following it for continuity, I understand. New 52 is kind of a pain in the butt. But if you give it a chance, you'll enjoy it. And the writers that are working on it are very good. So just kind of put the continuity switch thing behind. I just accept it for what it is. Yep. And and a lot of it doesn't hasn't really changed. Like they say it is, but it's not really changed. So you can just jump
0: right in. And most importantly, the characters haven't changed
1: well they re- pay respect to what's happened before it's not like they say they ne- it never happened
0: yeah and and there are 2 cha- there they're only really two characters th- characters in my opinion that have really changed all that much and, may- and maybe not even all that much and that would be superman and wonder woman and superman yes. is superman's still superman for sure he still has the same morals powers all of that nothing about him has changed in that regard he is a little less experienced, and he's a little more cocky.
1: And they're ironing that out.
0: Right. Like, Scott Snyder's Superman Unchained is very is probably the closest to post-crisis Superman you're going to get. And it's very good. I really enjoy it. It's also art, art by Jim Lee. So, go figure. Yeah. But And Wonder Woman, she's more of a warrior now, which is actually a good change. Right. To an extent. I know we've complained about her before, especially during Trinity War, but but overall, she's changed for the
1: better. And and everyone's always going to be
0: on the fence about Wonder Woman. I I think. Yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, she was cast for the Batman and Superman. I'm starting to think it's really Justice League. Uh, I I think
1: they're going to do a Batman and Superman movie. I think they're doing a Batman and Superman movie because they're preparing for Justice
0: League. I hope that's what they're doing, because I don't want Wonder Woman to be a main character.
1: Yeah, I I think that they're setting up. Uh, I could see them using her as a credit scene Yeah, to set up a Justice League movie. I think they're going to try to make the Justice League movie as quick as they can after uh, World's Finest, but still make it good. So that's why I think this casting news is happening
0: now. I also. Yeah. I also. Anyway, sorry to go off track, but we had to talk about that. We are the DC Nation podcast.
1: Well, well, we'll get more into that when the movie stuff comes. Yeah. Cause,
0: so we get into all that, and now we're kind of in this
1: place where DC is rocking, but Marvel is kind of not getting it. Yeah. And some of this is good movie wise because the Avengers is really successful. Got that needed to happen so we could get more superhero team up movies. Got to show that this can last long term in the movies business. Yeah, superheroes are going to be around for a while. They're just a staple of the industry. They're going to be there as long as you know, you know, romance and comedy and everything else has been around because they can do them now. Yep. But because of that, they're putting. all their eggs get the Avengers basket. Right. And they're kind of blowing it with their bread and butter, which made them popular, made them superior to DC in the first place, which is Spider-Man and X-Men. Spider-Man went way off the rails. Now, basically, Spider-Man is Dr. Octopus in Peter Parker's body.
0: And and let, let me put a disclaimer before we go any further with that, because I think we're going to be talking about this for a little bit, and we probably should. I really like Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man. Yes. I thought his 100 or so issues on that book were phenomenal. I thought the way he wrote Peter Parker was great, and I really loved the stories they told, especially with Doc Ock and Norman Osborn. He
1: revitalized the book. It felt like old school spider-man that i i enjoyed reading as a younger kid when they did the whole run back in the 70s i agree gary conway's death agreed uh gwen
0: stacy all of that stuff i i absolutely agree however and and i will even say this amazing spider-man issue 700 is a fantastic book yes It really is, and it really pays tribute to everything that came before, and it's still its own standalone, very, very cool, actually, thing. And I like it a lot. And I even like the ending. But Superior Spider-Man, I mean, I read issue one, and it was okay. But after that, it kind of like the only reason I read it, I picked it up ever again was because Spider-Man 2099 was going to be in the book. And I read that three those three issues, and now I'm not reading it again. Yeah, and, and and it's not because Dan Slott's writing is terrible, but I do not like his story, and I do not like where he's going with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's
0: a choice that we didn't like, and and Doc Ock trying to be Peter Parker and creeping on Mary Jane and ruining everything in Peter Parker's life while he's gone because let's face it, he's not mm. dead it's just it's not okay yeah i mean no. and, and and peter's life has been ruined before and peter's life have been has been knocked around before but this is like the worst thing but this is it's too much worst thing possible that could happen and quite honestly i don't know how or if peter can even recover from it like i think he'll be back that's not what i'm saying i'll give you my fingers crossed this summer Yeah, maybe May 2nd. I don't know right now. No amazing. Spider-Man is back for four issues in December, which is 700.1 to 700.4, which is a a small little Peter Parker pre superior arc. And the first issue came out this week and it was very good. I really enjoyed it. I cannot wait to pick up issue two next month because it's amazing Spider-Man and it's Peter Parker and I can get into it again. And and watching the Amazing Spider-Man two trailer this week, which by the way was phenomenal. Yes, and is going to be, in my opinion, probably the best Spider-Man movie. And I'm saying that even over two, which I love to death. Um, I just want Peter Parker back, and and a lot of Spider-Man fans, <laughs> a lot of other Spider-Man yes. fans do. And and the issue is, and the, and what makes it even worse, I think, is that when people tell Dan Slott, even in the nicest ways they can. And uh, and definitely the meanest. I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah. gonna say that they're innocent at all by any means. But even when they say that they don't like it and that they liked his stuff before, he kind of blows them off, and he's kind of a jerk about it. And he used to kind of just yell at people. Yeah, and I don't think that's right either. No, I, I don't think so either. The whole idea of superior, in general, and I'm even talking about uh, the the writer here. It just doesn't work. It it's it's not it's not fun, it's not witty, it's not anything Spider Man. People at-
1: people love and resonate with the character of Peter Parker. And they just take it away from them. It hurts people. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And and I think Dan Slott should be a little more sympathetic to it. It's it's it- hard to say goodbye. To something you love. Because and yes, I know it's a fictional character. But Spider is a lot more than that to a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Because here's the thing everyone who reads Spider Man yeah. is Peter Parker. Exactly. Dan, you're Peter Parker. I'm Peter Parker. We've both been to high school. We've both been that those odd kids out. We both, you know, bullied this, whatnot. It doesn't matter. Right. Someone once every- felt that way. Yeah, at some level, yeah. everyone is Peter Parker, and if you take that away and you make it Doctor Octopus, who nobody is, let's face it, and and you make him Spider Man, and you make him, uh, what's the tagline on the Amazing Spider Man book? Oh, I remember the world's greatest superhero. Yeah, if you take that away from people, it, not only does it not work, but it, it 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 really it does. Like think about kids who are reading Spider Man. Amazing Spider-Man up until issue 700. And then they find out that Spider-Man is dead and that his worst enemy, at least one of his worst enemies has now taken over his body. Right. They, I mean, I mean, and, really, that's and they, and they pushed it with us. God
1: doing the one more day thing. Yeah. got resetting Spider-Man's continuity. So he didn't marry Mary Jane. That, that... I had a hard time coming to terms with that. I did too. Dan Slott came in. Bob Gale came in. They wrote some amazing books. Yep, I agree. They got me, okay, I can get over this now. And then they did this. Because it's like, you're pushing me too far. Like, once was enough to kind of blow my whole world up with him not being married to Mary Jane anymore. Come resetting the continuity. And then you take this one step farther. You can only dig the knife in so far, guys.
0: Yeah. And again, we're not ripping on Dan slot, not as a writer and not as a person. That's not what we're trying to do here, at all. Um, because we really like we like the guy and we like his writing. But it, it's, it's a just... choice
1: I don't agree with. Agreed. We don't. Yeah.
0: And well, then and then
1: you got the other issue here. Kind of they're turning this around too, Michael. I will go this with that current X-Men Cox. We had a very difficult time with Avengers versus X-Men how Cyclops became the bad guy.
0: Yes. And I mean, he more so than you, because you don't like Cyclops as much?
1: I don't like Cyclops as much, but I see his um, necessity as being that true blue straight arrow character of
0: the X-Men. Yeah. And he's my favorite X-Man. So I, it, it blew me.
1: Well, especially when Big Xavier kind of became so convoluted in the books. And kind of turn out not to be what he was cracked up to be. Because sometimes a creeper at times. Um I always thought that Cyclops was the X I was gonna say k x is the X Men's conscience. Um Cyclops does. Yeah. And
0: which th- is a bad guy that defeats that. Well, and not only that, but and let's talk about this real quick. Yeah. I, I am a fan of Wolverine. I like Wolverine a lot. He's not my favorite X-Man. I, I also, like you see the necessity of Cyclops. I see the necessity, necessity of Wolverine. And I really like the character. And quite honestly, I thought the Wolverine was the best superhero film of two, 2013. Like, I'm going to flat out say that I thought it was. I really enjoyed it. Just as much as I did Man of Steel or Thor in the Dark World. It was phenomenal. And I love the Wolverine. But he is not the straight arrow leader material type character that should be leading the x-men and what's funny and what i really like about what the all-new x-men comics recently did is even the original x-men realized that and they go back to cyclops because they realize even though he may be in the wrong right now he's still the one who has the better maybe motives and is the better leader
1: yeah and it's kind of turned into a days of future past situation because they're the younger versions trying to bring the older versions back to what they once started as. Yeah. Back to that original goal of peace between mutants and mankind. Yes. Because in the story, it got into to the point. How mm-hmm. do you got to do it? You have to keep it more exciting. It got so far away from making peace between humans and mutants. Yeah. That they need to bring it back. Because we had issues where they were facing extinction, they were they were battling aliens from outer space. I mean, it was like, wait, this is more of a superhero story than some kind
0: of race war with superpowers. Which, to an extent, is okay because the X Men are definitely superheroes, and they should definitely be treated as superheroes because they are.
1: Well, and and I and I love the Phoenix Saga. Yeah, that has nothing to do with peace between human, but, mutant kind, yeah, yeah, at all. But it's a great story, because it shows you know the issues of having power, and how it can corrupt. And that's great stuff.
0: But even stories, huge stories like Days of Future Past and Age of Apocalypse, which are both finally going to be made into live-action feature films, which is incredible and exciting in and of itself. But even those stories, they definitely deal with the human versus mutant kind story. But yeah. they're even, but even more so, I think they really are superhero stories. Yeah, because they're not just about fighting for mutants or humans and each individual rights. They're fighting for the rights of Earth.
1: Right. Exactly. And you know, I, I read it was an X Men book I read where they did really some good insight good on Xavier. God, he was saying how he regretted. That the world was so messed up, kind of because of you know people with superpowers and stuff, got kind of super villains. That his team had to be more fighters, got kind of warriors, but actually like political
0: influences. Well, and that's even in X Men issue one where they fight Magneto.
1: Right, he would have much rather the kind of be diplomatic, got kind of only use their powers if they have to. Not use them all the time to be constantly saving people to deal with one threat after another.
0: Which to Brian Singer's credit is what happened in the first X Men movie. Yeah. Because really Gene Gray and Professor X and all of them were really ambassadors for most of the movie mm-hmm. and they only used their powers when they had to save somebody.
1: Right. Okay, and the problem is and that's something you could do in a movie plotline. You could do the political thriller and things like that. Yeah, But in the comics, and at the time they were writing the comics, you know, they wanted specific things. People in jumpsuits fighting things.
0: Right. And now you can get away with more of the political stuff, too, because you have a million action books.
1: Well, and people weren't looking for it in comics at the yeah. time, and now they are. Yep. So it works a lot better. God, People take it much more seriously. You know, I mean, comic book writers had to hide the fact that they were did these things because they were so talented. Yeah, and now they can come out and be honest and say, "Look, I do these books. It's something you guys should be impressed with." And people are.
0: Yeah, well, especially more and more of these films, and people are realizing, "Oh, these are comic book characters."
1: Right. DC is getting that, and they keep they they understand they need to evolve but maintain tradition. Yep. And I don't think these, I don't think
0: Marvel gets that all the way. And maybe they're starting to with Marvel now, but the problem with Marvel now, all it is is renumbering of issues. It's not rebooting of anything. Right. And it's, and it's not making anything better.
1: Well, and all their focuses on this is partially just how Disney thinks because it's money. Yeah. It's overkill. It's marketing. It's being everywhere. Quantity, but not quality. Yeah, Gordisi's doing both, I think.
0: And let me say, there are books that I read on a monthly basis for Marvel that I really enjoy. I really enjoyed the Hulk book. I think Iron Man is pretty good overall. All New X-Men by Brian Michael Bendis is phenomenal. I cannot get enough of that book. And even even when I have when I read uh, Scarlet Spider, which is also incredible, and the current Amazing Spider Man arc that's just in December, that's seven point one through seven point four or seven hundred point one through seven hundred point four. Marvel has good books out there, guys, for sure. Daredevil is phenomenal because Mark Waid is writing it, but but the the excitement about the Avengers
1: is going to wear off. Yes, I just don't think those characters. The Hulk aside, are as timeless as Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Slash, and Spider-Man the X-Men.
0: Right, because even unlike all of the members of the Avengers, the Hulk has had his own successful movie to an extent before them. What, a TV series? TV series as well, animated series. I mean, the Hulk is, here's the thing. The Hulk, Spider-Man and X-Men and the Fantastic Four are not going anywhere. They are Marvel's biggest characters, specifically X-Men and Spider-Man, just like Batman and Superman are to DC. Like those four characters slash teams are really it when it comes to comics. Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean, really, let's I mean let's really observe this and really think about this for a second. Without X-Men, without Spider Man, without Batman, without Superman, comics would A not be exciting. And B, I don't think they'd be in cinema. Yeah, because they started it all. Yeah. You forget. That's what got hit on the door. And it's those characters that people continue to see. I mean, they continue to go watch these movies, people do. Which is why
1: I think Amazing Spider-Man 2 is going to be unbelievable.
0: Well, and not to mention that it's Mark Webb, who's a phenomenal director and the writers of Fringe, Transformers alias all all these sleepy hollow all these different... I,
1: I think the goal of that movie is to remind that spider-man is still the
0: big dog at marvel and it better be because because even if you look at it even if, if you look at the trailer unlike every other marvel movie it's the most colorful marvel movie trailer i've ever seen they want it to pop they want people to see that real heroes, not just anti-heroes, not just heroes with shady motives and shady this and that, real heroes still exist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not saying Wolverine, and I'm not saying Man of Steel, and I'm not saying Thor The Dark World. I'm not saying those are not heroes, flat-out heroes, but they each character does some shady things. And Spider-Man really doesn't.
1: Yeah, and one kind of with Man of Steel, there's issues. With that. Superman doesn't really do shady things. And so there was issues with that movie because of
0: that. I agree. However, I mean I still give that movie a four point five out of five. I still really enjoy it. But it, I, I was, think we shouldn't see Superman kill anybody else. I don't I think after his reaction to killing Zod, you never will see him kill on screen again.
1: Yeah. I think they're gonna address that much like they addressed things on Arrow with him killing people on that show.
0: Which I think is fine. Yeah. I, I know both of us had a huge problem with that, and I still do, which is why I can't give the movie a perfect score. Right. But but I, they're going to resolve it, unlike right. Wolverine where he just kills people. Right. Because get, that's, in there. that's just – that's unfortunately just part of his character. That's something that's not going to change.
1: Right. We're going to move into animation real quick.
0: And here with animation, we are going to be talking about things like the original DC Cinematic... uh, Wow, cinematic No, DC Animated Universe versus the Marvel Animated Universe. Things like Marvel going bankrupt, Kids WB, Disney, and of course, animated films, and the current animated blocks, DC Nation versus Marvel Universe. right. Well, the big thing with the
1: animation is it basically started out with the DC Animated Universe. Marvel Universe kind of Working together and helping each other out. Yeah. Because they were all a part of the same network and all a part of the same Saturday morning car- uh, cartoon block. Fox. These Fox Kids. Yep. We had Batman the Anime series. We had Spider Man. We had X Men. Every day, six days a week.
0: And that was like the best part <laughs> of childhood right there.
1: Yes, that was my childhood. Because if I could, I watched these shows. And I eventually ultimately saw every episode. and... This was my gateway into comics. Yep. What happened?
0: And mine, actually.
1: What happened was Marvel went bankrupt. Or was on the verge of going bankrupt. So they had to pull their plug, pull the plug on their animated shows. And at the same time, Fox was having issues with their animation studio. And because of that, Warner Brothers pulled out. They moved the DC Universe to Kids WB. And the Marvel shows just faded away.
0: Although we had a good amount of them before they faded away. I mean, we had Silver Surfer. We had Hulk. We had Spider-Man, X-Men. We had Fantastic Four. There was that short-lived Avengers cartoon.
1: And all of them, well, Hulk season one was good. They told them they had to tone it down, and then it got bad.
0: Well, I don't know if it got Bad. It just wasn't as exciting. Like, the, yeah, the Iron Man is not afford to work. Like even Spider Man and X Men, they didn't get bad. And I know I've dogged on both of them before, but I really do enjoy them. Uh, they're not bad. They don't get bad, but they just aren't as exciting. Yeah. As they keep going.
1: Well, Spider Man and X Men were great. I liked them. But that's all we had at the time. Yeah. We didn't know any better. God. And, and Spider-Man was a little more serious than Spider-Man maybe could have been. But that's that show, and we'll just work with that.
0: Well, and ultimately what I think is really cool is that eventually, uh, since DC was already on Kids WB, uh, you had the Batman and Legion of Superheroes running around the same time as Spectacular Spider-Man.
1: Right. Because that was the other thing, is Kids WB started making Marvel programming. Guys did X-Men Evolution which some people love and others don't like so much. It's um, Spectacular Spider-Man, which I think all across the board everyone loves because it was made by Young Justice's Greg Weisman. And Gargoyle. And Gargoyles, yes.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I got to say, like, I, I, Batman in the Animated Series, Spider-Man the Animated Series, those two specifically, and Superman, were huge from our childhood. But yeah. the Batman and Spectacular Spider-Man running at this around the same time was just as big for me.
1: For well, me. that was that for your generation. Yeah. What I got with Fox Kids.
0: Yeah.
1: And it worked. And it was great. And, and it was fine. And we still had the Bruce Timm stuff going on with Justice League. Got okay, the Bruce Timm stuff. It's rock
0: solid. Oh, yeah. There's not any any, any questioning of that. And, and even though we wanted to question it with Free Lantern, we were proven wrong again. Every kid that's into superheroes, especially DC superheroes, needs to see... Those shows, yep. Anything uh, Bruce Timm,
1: flat out. If you have kids, you want to introduce them to superheroes because you love them. Show them those shows. Yep. That that's not even a discussion.
0: Like, and really, if you have to pick, show show your kids Batman the animated series, Justice League, and Green Lantern. Yes. Like hands down, those are the three I'd pick above any of them. Well, and Young Justice is good too. I think I think that's. Well, I mean, in of terms good. of Bruce Timm, yeah. Those three. If you want to add two more, uh, definitely the Batman and Young Justice.
1: Kind. If you're a Spider-Man fan, I'd say Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, the original show. If you want more episodes. Yeah. x by the animated series is a little dark for kids.
0: That but was it's a little it's creepy. Really good, and it, it is, is very good. And it's pretty true to the comics overall, which is yeah.
1: nice. But it's more true to the serious, true blue, darker comics, I think.
0: Right. And, and quite frankly, I, I'm not a huge fan of X-Men Evolution. I like Wolverine and the X-Men a lot, but I could not get into Evolution at all. I just didn't, I just didn't like it. I it don't started
1: know. out slower, especially yeah. compared to the X-Men animated series. Oh, yeah. Um. But then Disney came in, bought Marvel, and great shows. Wolverine and the X-Men yes. was another example of a very good one. That was on Nickelodeon. Got... Taken away.
0: Yep. And they were promised. Adventures.
1: These were great television shows. Wolverine and the X-Men was a great show. God, really just great X-Men story. Right up there on par with X-Men, the animated series. God, I think this was the X-Men version of Spectacular Spider-Man. That Spectacular Spider-Man was yanked off the air with promises of a new season on the way.
0: Yep. Oh, that was so brutal.
1: So that was taken away from us, which was totally just disheartening.
0: It was bad.
1: Um, I just, oh. It was brutal. And what came in place of it was these Disney shows, which I am not a fan of. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. They're too goofy, too much bathroom humor. They're, and they just don't seem to take the material seriously. Okay, it's a shame because this is done by Garrick Randowski and uh, Paul Dini, who yeah. have worked on the greatest, of well, the greatest superhero cartoons of all time. Yep. Or the greatest series of superhero cartoons of all time, as in the DC animated universe.
0: Oh, I forgot Batman Beyond. You have to also watch yes. Batman Beyond. Yes, Batman
1: Beyond, Bruce Tim Universe, oh. counts all those shows. Because I say that, so I'm not leaving anything else. But, yeah. I just don't like the Disney programming. I, I'm just not into the work that's going into those shows. Now, I, I've I, tried. I've tried. I've watched. Yes, you all have. the episodes. Can I just? I'm just not as enthusiastic or as excited to watch them because I am something like Beware the Batman.
0: Oh well, I agree wholeheartedly there, but but at least let at least let me say this because while I do agree with you for the most part, my opinion differs a little bit. I I can I really can't stand Ultimate Spider-Man, um, and I know you can't either. Well, they made huge story changes. Well, I don't even mind the story changes maybe as much as I do the fact that that show is not serious at all. And yes, it's a kid show. I get it. But if, but if you don't ground kid shows in a little bit of seriousness, and I I mean that even in like kindergarten programming, because even in kindergarten programming, like I I know this because I had three younger siblings, they still have a solid basis for what they're showing the kid. Yeah. And they still have a solid message they want to give across. Also in Spider-Man, doesn't. I'm sorry. Jokes. It, it, It is. It's bathroom jokes through and through. There's and,
1: no great power with great
0: responsibility message at all. In not that Spider-Man like, interpretation. I will say I really liked the Sinister Six episode. Yes. I have to admit, I love that. Like that is that really and, and I I don't I don't take this lightly. The Sinister Six episode of Ultimate Spider Man is probably one of my favorite animated Spider Man cartoons I've ever seen. But that episode was more serious than the other ones. And and that's and that's exactly my point. I i it, They have those Diamonds
1: in the Rough episodes yeah. where they decide to take themselves seriously. But they don't all the time. And we have well, it's like Avengers of drives me nuts. Like they have the Hulk and Hawkeye sitting on the couch playing video games. Yeah, I know. This isn't the Teen Titans. There was another episode where Tony Stark went undercover without his Iron Man costume. They have him flipping around and fighting. Red
0: Skull's minions, and he, yeah, Tony Stark can't fight guys. No, like, he can't. Hands down, he can't. He doesn't know combat moves. He solely relies on that armor for a reason,
1: right? Or, but, or if he can, not he builds stuff or tries to sneak around or whatever, like
0: he did in Iron Man three. Exactly. Well, and he, and, and and remember, in Iron Man three, he had Rhodey, who right. can fight in hand to hand combat before he even got the armor. If you remember? But, but let me say, let me say this before. We, uh, we move on or whatever. I, while I do not like a lot of the humor in the Marvel Universe shows, I really don't. It really does bother me. When they do decide to do serious stories, when they do actually have a message, what they're showing these kids and us as fans, I really enjoy it. There are parts of Avengers Assemble, Hulk, and the Age of Smash that I absolutely love, and I, and I say that absolutely love because of the message it's sending to children and because of the seriousness and, and the fact that it takes itself seriously, but not too seriously. Whereas other parts of the show, they don't take themselves seriously at all, and they think children and the general audience are just stupid and will take whatever they give to you. Well, that's why Cartoon Network's going in the crack. That, that, right, that thinking right there is why Cartoon Network sucks right now. A DC Nation. They canceled Thundercats because it was too serious. They canceled Young Justice and Green Lantern because it was too serious. I mean, those weren't necessarily the real reasons, but I believe they were part of it. And and who knows what they're gonna do next to be Worth the Batman. The only DC Nation show that has been continued c- continuing to do well because Cartoon Network has promoted it, is Teen Titans Go, and that's because it's a comedy driven show.
1: Right. The thing of it is like What drives me nuts about this is like The Legend of Korra. That's a very popular animated show, right? Yeah. It has similar humor to the Disney Marvel shows.
0: Yeah.
1: But they have seriousness got every episode along with that humor. They balance it out. That show's doing tremendous. So why, for the life of me, will they they do that with a Franchise that's maybe not, a, not as popular, but they won't do it with something that's huge, like the Avengers.
0: Well, I think Avatar is pretty popular. Right, but this is superheroes. Well, I agree. This has been around forever. Well, and, and, to, and to that, Dan, all I have to say is because I think, and, and this really pains me to say, but I really do believe that Nickelodeon, to an extent, and especially... Uh, Cartoon Network and Disney really don't think highly of kids, and all they want to do, which we already knew from before, is it's, make money. Just give them quantity of stuff. Yeah, just ram it down their throats endlessly. Well, and and they don't. Kids today are dumb, and, and I say this to, and I mean this, because of programming like this. I mean, there's a reason it's called television programming. Or, or they go and they
1: turn on their iPods because there's more intuitive stuff on there.
0: Yeah. There's not a show that just grabs their attention. And if I'll be honest, I personally think this started with Spongebob.
1: Yes and no, though, because that show actually sometimes has somewhat of a Seinfeld commentary on the world.
0: I agree. It it sometimes does, but for the most part, especially in the last five to eight years, go. Oh, I agree with that. Especially the new it, stuff for sure. Especially in the last five to yeah. six or seven or eight years, it has been complete. Like everything you see on Cartoon Network right now is pretty much what SpongeBob has been for about a decade.
1: Yeah, they just make SpongeBob episodes. They don't put any thought into it now.
0: Right. I and that's what they're doing with Disney, and that's what they're doing with yep. Cartoon Network, and it's really sad. And that's why. And it's shameful. From...
1: Somebody like God, uh, you know, Paul Dini and Eric Randowski should know better. That's what irritates me to no end about those Disney shows.
0: Well, and Jeff Loeb, of course, let's not forget him either, but Right, but he's doing so many shows. And none of I don't know if he can really But here's the thing, Dan, that, that and that's even what worries me even more. Jeff Loeb is attached to all of the, de- or the all the Marvel animated shows and all of the Marvel live-action shows. And what is, we've seen so far hasn't been that impressive. Right. And, and you and I both know from reading both his Marvel and DC, specifically DC, but his Marvel as well, his work is phenomenal. Yeah. And he did Heroes. He did Smallville. But He's they better- fired him from Heroes. Well, yeah. I know. Which is sad. But... But he was on all those shows, and he was pretty successful overall. And he and his work was good. I think his writing is very good. I do, too. I think the
1: producing stuff is a little overwhelming for him.
0: I, I, I think Marvel promoted him way too quickly, and I think he only accepted it because he didn't know what else to do. I agree. Uh, whereas with Jeb Johns... He really earned his position, he enjoys his position, and he takes time and effort and thought into his position without taking away from his books.
1: But now, Jeff Loeb is someone who mentored Jeff Johns. Well, you're right. Tremendously. Right. Um, and the thing is, I always try to protect Jeff Loeb a little bit because he's off his game. Because his son did tragically pass away yes. due to cancer.
0: Yeah, back in 2002.
1: and And I know that was rough on him. I know from just uh, the situation and actually meeting Jeff Tons around the time that was going on; it was not a good situation. Yeah. Um, so, guy, I, I think he's pulling back for the writing because I think it's emotionally hard for him to do it.
0: I agree. And and to that credit, I don't want to be too hard on him. Right. But it's also and I and I does he that- help the guy out then? Well, right, and 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 I mean, and I really do mean this in in a way as kind as I can, but it's also his job to bring out good material. Right. I mean, does that make like? Can and, I, and again, we don't like, know that, if this is terrible person.
1: Well, I, we don't know if it's his call. I think.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it could easily be Disney telling him to do this. Yeah. Because Disney has this way of, it's it's like making a deal with the devil working for Disney. They they kind of manipulate you to, or they bend you to their will. You know, making Disney sound out to be like dark side out Apocalypse, but that's kind of how it goes sometimes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all, all in all, DC Nation has the far superior content. Obviously, is why we do this podcast instead of the Marvel Universe podcast. But they're boneheads
1: because they can't keep good programming on their network.
0: Right, and and that goes back to what we were talking about before cuz what we were saying about Disney is and and Marvel in terms of their animation is for sure true for Cartoon Network as well. I agree. So. So yeah, DC Nation over Marvel Universe any day of the week.
1: All right. Well, moving into the next front which is television. <laughs> which is, this is live action television we're talking about now. Uh, DC is the dominant force of nature right now. <laughs> yeah. God, they started this with a little show called, well, I mean, you could go back farther than that even.
0: I mean, you could go back as far as Wonder Woman and The Flash. What,
1: and, you can oh, go back as uh, far
0: as Adventures back. of Superman. Or Adventures of Superman, yeah. God. But DC
1: has kind of consistently been around for a long time. With live action shows.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, they hit their peak and seriously became like a DC television production company when Smallville started.
0: Yep. And then you had The Prey and Human Target.
1: Great. They had been around before even, too, with, you know, the Wonder Woman show and stuff like that. Okay. And Marvel, they had a kind of nice little run with the Incredible Hulk TV show. But uh, CBS was more... I think it was on CBS. They had more control over it than Marvel actually did.
0: Was it CBS? Because wasn't it on the same network as um, Wonder Woman?
1: Wonder Woman I know was on ABC and then switched to CBS, I think.
0: Uh, Well, you might be right. I think you're Uh, right.
1: But anyway, I mean, the main thing today, Smallville was a dominant force of nature that really put DC on the map. We got some other spinoff shows, which I think were also good. They just didn't – I don't know if they didn't get a big enough audience or they weren't aired at the right night or whatever. Uh, but Birds of Prey was, a, I thought, a decent kind of small spinoff that didn't work out.
0: Yeah.
1: And then Cuban uh, Target, I thought, was a rock-solid show.
0: Oh, but Human Target was Tom.
1: Fox is very cutthroat when it comes to their programming.
0: Yes, Incredible Hulk, you're right, was on CBS. The reruns were on NBC. Okay. That's why I got confused. Yes. Because of those reruns.
1: Got um, Then, after Smallville came, I would say Smallville 2.0, which is Arrow. Yeah. Because it basically took the mistakes Smallville made, figured out how to resolve them, and made themselves into one awesome superhero action
0: show because even if you can't get past the first half of season one of arrow season two fixes all the problems you had with season the first half of season one yes like season two fixes those and even the second half of season one fixes all those problems it just keeps getting better as it goes yeah like i mean and really and what what show can you really say keeps getting better as it goes because even with like Heroes, it got great all throughout season one, and it kept getting better, but then it slowly declined.
1: Revolution is slowly slipping into that category.
0: Well, yeah, I guess Revolution is probably the only other show I could say gets better every every episode. Uh, okay, season one wasn't doing it, but season two, every episode's been awesome. Well, let's be fair. Second half of season one kind of fixed the first half. Yes, it began. Yeah. But now it's kicked in high gear. Yeah. Yeah, I had an argument with someone about Agents of Shield, and they compared. Uh, they said, "Well, I shouldn't listen to you because you like Revolution." And I'm like, "Susan, two or Revolution is a completely different show. You can't even compare the two, because you can't." Right, I agree. Anyway, that being said, uh, Agents of Shield, Dan, because I've talked about this enough this well, week. Yes. Well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.,
1: it's...
0: Hmm. Uh, I think it's terrible.
1: Well, no, I've got to say... Basically, I'm just trying to figure out where I want to start this. Basically, the main thing is, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it it was basically Avengers Mania. Um, Marvel had such a success with the Avengers, they wanted to stuff it everywhere and go wild making money off this movie. Anyway they can't. So they came out with Agents of Shield.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: An idea that makes sense to me because of the success of that movie. And yeah. and and I think it was a it's an idea and something they want to try where all forms of media are connected to each other. With is you could read a comic book, know what's going on in the comic books, got to know what's going on in the movies. Got TV shows and animation, all at the same time. Don't have a problem with that. That's fine. But if you're going to do something like this, you got to come at us with a good product. Yeah. And Agents of Shield, even though we were very hopeful for it, even you were, Michael.
0: Yeah, I warmed up to it for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you were you were on board.
1: We were excited for this. Yep. We got a pretty good pilot. We did get a pretty good pilot,
0: and the second episode was not bad.
1: And then the wheels came off. Uh, we got a very annoying lead character. With a lot of people's opinions. I thought last week's episode made steps on making her better. But I don't know if people could get past their first introduction to her.
0: I'll be honest. I have not watched it since the Thor of The Dark World tie-in, which was absolutely terrible.
1: And that was not a good episode.
0: That episode was, like, the episode before, no, it was either the episode before or two episodes before where the one where they fall out of the plane, that episode was phenomenal. But that's
1: because they weren't trying so hard to connect it to
0: the movies. Well, and not only that, but they actually did stuff with the characters in that episode that not only made sense, but was actually exciting and actually developed them. That's
1: the problem. They're so worried about advertising Marvel movies. With this show, they don't take any time to develop the characters.
0: And from what I heard, it sounds like the finale of the season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be a direct tie-in to Captain America the Winter Soldier, which absolutely makes sense. But at the same time, how much does that take away from their story?
1: Right. They're making this as giant advertisements for their movies. It's almost like a weekly advertisement. Yeah. Watch this show so you want to go see this. God, even at the times that they try to use it to advertise a movie, like Thor The Dark World, it doesn't go through with it all the way. No. We don't get what they tell us is going to happen. Like with Arrow, for instance, we knew Barry Allen was going to show up on the episode. Yep, And we may see his origins on how he becomes to be flash Yeah. And did we get one scene? No. We got an episode with a decent story focusing on
0: that character and, and even more so it didn't necessarily even just focus on the character it also was its own story like it, had it w- progressed the it show w- forward and if barry allen wasn't in the episode it would have actually done some damage to the episode unlike if you had agents of shield and you took out a character it wouldn't have matter
1: carrie watching you're like oh this could have so easily been replaced was something in the comic books that people would got excited about, right the Asgard episode for sure they yeah. have a mystical rod that messes oh. with people's heads can make tourism of super villains now, hello, that should have been the crowbar that made those people into the wrecking crew, yeah, but they're so afraid because, oh no, could we cast these people here? We're stuck that we can't do it with the movie,
0: and it's like honestly, people you recast main character from The Incredible Hulk in The Avengers. You recast Bruce Banner in that movie after everyone saw him in The Incredible Hulk. If you can do that and get away with it and people like it, you can get away with it on TV.
1: Well, and the other thing is, like, maybe Arrow... I've been debating this. Part of me thinks maybe it's better off if they don't connect it to the cinematic universe. So they can do their own thing.
0: The only thing I say to that, though, Dan is quite honestly, if we really think about it, Marvel and DC are both going to limit Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Arrow on who they can use anyway. Right. It wouldn't really matter if Arrow or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was connected or not, because either way, they would still be limited to who they can use and what they can well, do. Well, they said Ra's al Ghul, which is a Batman villain. Which makes me think that it's connected, because why else would you, would they let yeah. them use it? Because they would never have let them use that on small. But though. if if it, but that's it's it's, but Arrow is such
1: a good foundation. You can connect it. It makes sense.
0: I agree. And really, it's more. It's it really it, timeline wise. It was if you want to connect yes. it to the DC Cinematic Universe, it is the beginning of the DC. cinematic. you
1: have the same man behind it all. Yeah. Where I don't feel that Joss Whedon. Is as much, and it's just because of the time to be involved with dangers of Shield. I don't know how Jeff Johns
0: does it, to be honest. Well, all, all really, quite quite frankly, all Joss Whedon did was put his name on it because because yeah. ABC wanted him to because they're like your name will sell, let's do it. Yeah, and that's it.
1: And and that's the thing. And and I know we have people associated with our podcast that love the writers and want to cheer them on. But Joss Whedon's brother Jed got his wife Marissa Tankerhoven, I don't even know how to say last name. They haven't had a successful T V show. Yeah. They did Dollhouse with Joss. God, Dollhouse was not a successful TV show. It took forever for it to get going. Got agents of shows running in the same problem.
0: Yeah. And
1: and they didn't work on Buffy or Firefly or any of those shows that were a success. Yeah. So they have not proven themselves as successful showrunners.
0: Right. Well, and, and if you're going to do an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, I expect to see some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in it. The only real S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in this show is Coulson, and even he isn't from the comics originally. Right. And that really irritates me because I would love to see Clay Quarterman. I would love to see more Maria Hill. I'd love to see Dum Dum Dung Dung again. I'd love to see all these agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who actually matter and who I actually care about. And the fact that they advertise it as not only a superhero show with no superheroes, but also as a show with agents from S.H.I.E.L.D. I expect to see people who I know. And I don't know anybody except Coulson. And the only reason I know him is because of Iron Man. And the, and that's not that's not right. I don't think. I, mean, I agree. It really makes that gives me a problem with the show.
1: Well, and again, with these superhero shows, it needs to be about what we are looking forward to. For for this, yeah. like Arrow, every week there's something to be looking forward to. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're going to see Brother Blood this week. Solomon Grundy's coming again. The Dark Archer will be back. Yeah, You know, things like that, where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're not telling us what's coming. And, and, and they're saying, oh, we're going to do a tie-in, which ultimately adds up to nothing.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and what I think is even worse is that there's no real overarching story. Like, I can forgive the first two episodes. I can forgive the first three or four episodes for being just case-by-case episodes. That's fine. I can get forgive a tie-in episode for that as well. But when you consistently have no overall story. Yeah. Like, Arrow, I think, has only had two standalone episodes that haven't had to do with anything for the rest of the season lately. Yeah. Because everything else has been tied to either the League of Shadows or Brother Blood. Whereas, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they had one episode outside of the pilot that had to do with this organization. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it like it, it doesn't give me anything to be excited for, and it keeps telling me not to be excited for anything or anyone in it. Right. And, and I don't want to say that, but that's that's what I have to say.
1: And I think the other thing is Arrow is starring a no, well-known superhero. I think people want to see superheroes on TV. They want to see straight-up superheroes, not the people that assist the superheroes or clean up the mess
0: afterwards. Right, and I, and I think that's where uh, we can go on to our next point, where Marvel is developing shows through Netflix.
1: Um, which are going to focus on actual superheroes. Yeah. But I think they will be much more of a success.
0: You're going to have Daredevil, you're going to have Luke Cage, you're going to have Iron Fist, you're going to have Jessica Jones, and you're going to have them all team up, team up in the Defenders. Which is going to be incredible. Like, I like I really cannot wait for this. This is really exciting. And if Marvel pulls it off, it's going to be fantastic. Right. And if they make Daredevil like Arrow, it's going to be one of the best shows I've ever seen. I know, it is. It's going to be outstanding.
1: Gotta get DC's talking about doing a Jim Gordon show. Yep. God, yes, yeah. Yes, I know that's a side character that's supporting Batman. But you know what? Jim Gordon's a very well-established character. And He's got a huge fan following.
0: And the show is going to be amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't care if it's on Fox. I cannot wait for Gotham. That's my most anticipating show. If next Batman
1: season. is there, if there's any association to Batman,
0: it sells. It sounds like the, first, the pilot episode is going to deal with Jim Gordon trying to solve a double homicide. Nice. Which sounds like the Waynes. Nice. I know. And it's so like... Really, it's exciting, guys.
1: It's going to be fun. It's going to be good for the Batman fans. Well, I'm sure the people involved are such Batman fans. Anyway, they're going to make it great.
0: Yeah. Well, And, they're, and, and of course, they're doing Gotham. They're also doing uh, The Flash, which is going to be coming to the CW. They're also doing Our Man, which is going to be coming to the CW, which also, based off of uh, what we heard in the last episode of Arrow with the Miracle Drug, it sounds like maybe it could connect to Arrow, question mark? Yeah. And and even this iZombie zombie thing that they're doing—that's a Vertigo imprint, which I personally have no interest in, but I know people do. Like DC is really ramping it up with television. I'm gonna watch it. I'll probably watch the pilot. Outside of that, I don't know. It just it, it, like it's about a zombie who takes the form of a regular human by like consuming human hearts and brains. Like okay. I don't know. Like that—that that sounds too gross for me. Like, and I watch The Walking Dead. And that just doesn't work. we'll, we'll for see me. the pilot. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. I've never read the comics. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt right now. But well, It could be vastly different for the comics, to throw that, that out there.
1: That is true. But with that, I think we'll move it into film. Marvel came through with the first Spider-Man film. Yep. God, I think it's just taken off since then. Um, Every try, thing they've tried, every experiment they've tried, like the Avengers movie, kind of paid off, and uh, there were some weak part threes. But for the most part, they've succeeded and made money on everything.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Spider-Man, good franchise until part three. Yeah. Um, They fixed it, though, with Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 2 is going to make you forget that Spider-Man 3 even happened. Yep. Um, X-Men, they're repairing that franchise. That's going in a great direction because we're going to finally get to see Brian, Brian Singer's full story that he had in mind come to life.
0: Well, it, it, and what's really cool is that even a character like the Wolverine, who's just a part of the X-Men franchise, has made such a huge impact on people because of these movies. Quiet and Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman and the character. It was really launched because of the X Men movies. Yes, like he was phenomenal in Lameus, and he's wonderful with fans.
1: He's been really great to the X Men Wolverine fans. Yeah, kind of wants to give them a quality product, which is why the last Wolverine movie was so
0: fantastic. Oh my gosh! Even the after credit scene, with, which wasn't even shot by James Mangold, was so good. Boy, that's why I'm so excited for the next movie. I know.
1: Like Days of Future is, Past, folks. I, and we're covering that on ATA.
0: I, yeah, but when does that come out? I want to say like June or July. I think I think we might need to do a road to Days of Future Past, Dan.
1: Yes, we may need to. Because
0: like I, I, t- I haven't watched those movies in a while. I haven't either, and I need to again. I've seen First Class recently, but the others. I, I think we need to do it.
1: So they've got it made. Uh Film-wise, we had the Dark Knight trilogy, Well, we had Superman Returns first. That was kind of a disappointment to a lot of people.
0: Um, It it gets better when you keep watching it.
1: Yeah, it's got a great nostalgia factor.
0: Yeah, it does. It really does.
1: But if you want a nice throwback to the Donna era, watch Smallville. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. Um as the dark knight films like you said which are great. Yeah, <laughs> they're just the best.
1: God, if you make the mistake of well, no if you make the smart decision to watch Chuck, you won't look at Brad and Ralph cuz super bad to sight.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, you'll see how how wide a range of acting he has. First okay. of all, and second of all, yeah, he looks you, like a creeper. You won't want to watch Superman <laughs> Returns again. No. No.
1: So Just throw that out there. Uh, Dark Knight Trilogy. First two movies outstanding. Part three. Again, it was better than other part threes. But I just felt like it was too long.
0: It was too long. I felt
1: like they could have cut out a little bit of the movie.
0: I'll give you that. But you know what though? I I think Batman Begins in The Dark Knight. You don't have to see Batman Begins to enjoy The Dark Knight, and you don't have to see any of the ones after Batman Begins to enjoy Batman Begins. Yeah. I, they're very well, well done, very well done standalone movies, and very well done Batman and comic book movies. The the only issue with The Dark Knight Rises, in my opinion, is that it relies so heavily on the first two films. Yeah, and it's not if it were more of a standalone movie. I think you'd have a perfect trilogy. Which, quite honestly, I think you kind of already do have a perfect trilogy, because the finale wraps up everything. The
1: end is very good. I will give it that. But there are some issues with, like, Alfred leaving Bruce. Yeah. That's kind of not what would happen. Some people think Bane is goofy. Yeah,
0: I don't agree with that one. They
1: tried too hard to stuff too many Batman stories into this last movie. Nah. I, I think that zero year does it better. Yes. In terms of dressing every major Batman story, yes. in one arc.
0: Yes, I agree. Uh,
1: but you know, it, it's decent. I mean, they tried to stuff, some you know, year one stuff, in there, some Dark Knight Returns stuff in there, um, a lot of the No Man's Land stuff, and and trying to put it all into one film.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I love the trilogy. I really don't have much problem with it. Mean, than, as a whole, it's good. Other other than the fact that it's more about Bruce Wayne than Batman, I have no problem with it. Great. Batman Begins is an excellent film. Yeah,
1: it That's is. That's probably my favorite out of them. Uh, I, I'm Bruce sorry. Wayne I just, story-wise. <laughs> I think it's in terms of a Batman story
0: the Dark Knight's the best. Yeah. Does that I, work? I agree with you there completely, yep. And, and Dark Knight Rises, all in all, I, like if we're really being honest, it really is probably one of the greatest conclusion movies there is. Yeah. Cause, like, I'd put it up there like Back to the Future Part 3 or Skyfall or something like that.
1: But we're running into an animal um, here that's kind of new which is the new DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Which began with Man of Steel. Which is a good movie. Very entertaining visually to watch. Has kind of some nice little Superman moments in it, but there is a big issue of Superman killing Zod
0: at the end of the movie, and that doesn't sit right with people. And it ruined it for me the first time I watched it with you. Yeah after I, after I watched it the second and third time, it didn't bother me any more, anymore. Like I, and. and and I don't mean that as in I'm not bothered by the fact that Superman killed someone because that's still the reason why I don't give the movie a perfect score because I don't agree with it. But it doesn't taint the rest of the movie for me anymore. And, and the more i watch it and now that I have it on Blu-ray and the more I've watched it, I really love the movie. Like, it's to me at least, it's Dark Knight level quality. Yeah, I think a lot of people also felt it was a little jumbled.
1: Come, um, I get it. I've heard the movie "Girls on you. Um, and I think a lot of people felt that they made this movie kind of rushed because of the incidents with the Schusters and stuff. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think it was just a starting point. And I think once we get the next Superman story, story in theaters where we have the Clark kind of aspect and stuff, it's going to be a lot more satisfying. I think the world's finest is going to be The Amazing Spider-Man 2 to The Amazing Spider-Man. Well, the Amazing Spider-Man is a good movie, but it's not the
0: best. I think it's what it needed to be, though, to make itself different. Exactly. So I, I think, think that's what Man of, of Steel was. Yeah. It was what
1: needed to be done to make itself different from um, Superman Returns and Smallville, just because they need to close the door on that era. Yeah, Superman Returns is a fixing thing. The other part, God, the small little thing was just. We need to close the door on that.
0: I, I think if Man of Steel and Amazing Spider-Man were made five to ten years later, I think they would have they would have had the same impact on people as Superman the movie and the first Spider-Man did. I have a feeling on that. I, I feel the only reason we say things about them in that regard is because they're so close to the original stuff. Even Man of Steel is close to Superman in terms.
1: And okay, I think that's why maybe they decided to bring in Batman. Yeah. To make it more impactful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so. And I do say I like Green Lantern. Most people don't. That's fine. I personally enjoy the movie.
1: Great. Well, the WB, I think the big thing is, with this next movie, they need to let um, DC do it. They need to let Jeff Johns and the powers that be over there, Zack Snyder and whatever, do what they need to do instead of telling them what to do. Because that's the one thing I will give Disney credit for. I don't know why they won't do it with the animation. But with the TV shows, they will pull back and say, "Joss, we didn't trust you. Go ahead and tell the story you need to tell." You mean with the movie? Right. Well, I don't. I don't know why Disney won't uh, pull back when it
0: comes to the animation. With the movies, they will. Well, and and that's almost what scares me a little bit. I wonder if Disney really is pulling back with the animation. God, and that's scary too. That, c- because don't if let they, me don't say that I might I'd be able to sleep tonight the only yeah. reason I say that is because if they have enough faith in the movies and to an extent the TV show why wouldn't they in animation to that I say I'm almost wondering if they do and it's just not working out
1: that's a good point I don't
0: know I, that's not set in stone obviously but it, it is a right. good thing to consider
1: yeah good is a thing to consider but The main point for the movie-wise thing, because I just, WB needs to let the people who know what they're doing do what they need to do to make a success. Yeah. Because I feel like too many names got put into the hat in making Man of Steel with Nolan being involved and everything else. And I think with Nolan out of the picture, I think they just need to let Zack Snyder do his thing. Please consult with Jeff Johns.
0: Give us the best film they could give us. Well, if Jeff Johns has his hand so much in television, that's really what they should be letting him do with movies. Great.
1: And really, they need to make sure that this film is not rushed. This film cannot seem like, oh, we're making this, we're doing this just because The Avengers was that successful.
0: Yeah. It has to actually be really good on its own. Because if it's not... There's going to be a problem. Yeah. And release a stupid title already for this movie. Yeah. I mean, this This is the
1: biggest superhero movie of all time.
0: It, it, it Well, yeah. And even more so than The Avengers, if we're going to be honest. This is the two greatest superheroes, the
1: founders yeah. of superhero, the superhero genre as we know it, teaming
0: up. And so, that, just as we know it, just in general. Right, like really, these characters are more than characters; they're icons. So this needs to be done right. Yeah, if it's not, there really is a problem. Great. Great. Now it's going to cheapen it. Now I I do have faith in it. I I really want to believe that it's like like Superman says, "A Man of Steel." His symbol is a symbol of hope, and I really want to believe that. I really want to hope that it's going to do well. But unfortunately, there is evidence to the contrary. So, so well, we would...
1: People are worried about Ben Affleck, other things like that. Now, Ben Affleck is a very, very talented director. Yeah. And I hope his experience on Argo and his little gold friend he got from that, from the town. Yes, yes, in the town, will help make this a good movie. God, uh, basically, uh, Kevin Smith will kill him in his sleep if he screws this up. So, well, yeah, he will.
0: Especially since they're friends. Yes,
1: he will disown him if he screws
0: this up. Which, by the way, I have to say, Dan recommended me to watch The Town. I I I love the movie, and I would recommend it to all of you guys who are still unsure about Affleck a little bit. I definitely recommend you to watch The Town and Argo. It
1: sells you on it.
0: Yeah, and Argo. Because Argo is just... Argo is awesome. It really is one of the better films I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it deserved every bit of the best picture um, Oscar that it got.
0: Yeah. No exceptions. All right, was that sum up the discussion pretty well? Does it do these great things justice? I, I hope so. I mean, ultimately, guys, kind of how we feel about it is in terms of comics, animation, television, DC is at this point kicking butt. But in terms of film, Marvel is. So I don't know if we got that across as much as we wanted to, but that was the overall gist. But we want, the main thing right now is we want
1: World's Finest to succeed. We want the X-Men movies to succeed.
0: Yeah. Because those are things that are our favorites. And the Spider-Man movie. Oh, yes. Because if Amazing Spider-Man 2 doesn't do well, 3 and 4 are going to be terrible. And we might not get Peter Parker back in the comics. Right. Which would be very disappointing.
1: I'm hoping, Michael.
0: Again, summer. again it's the fringe Star Trek Transformers alias writers writing this movie.
1: Oh, by the way, I'm just going to say this right now. Even though this is the DC Nation podcast, if Peter Parker comes back we're having a celebration episode
0: <laughs> we'll we'll rename it the marvel universe podcast for one episode yes i don't mind or maybe
1: the marvel nation i don't want people to think that we're not going to deliver a quality podcast could fill it with bathroom humor
0: <laughs> i love it <laughs> that is fantastic
1: all right so we're going to close up this episode Michael, you want to tell everyone kind of what we're doing next. We may do something
0: in addition to covering the comics, but what's going to be coming down the pipe for us. So so definitely, yeah. So definitely we will be covering more Zero, Batman Zero Year and DC Universe Forever Evil uh, titles. We will probably also be covering Aquaman, Jeff Johns' Aquaman as a whole as his run on the book recently ended with uh, the final chapter of the Dead King saga, with Aquaman issue 25, which was a fantastic issue, and we cannot wait to cover because it, it was really good. So yeah, I mean, other than that, that that's what I. And of course, you're going to be on Longbow Hunters this coming week to talk about the scientists, and you're going to be on, of course, for the mid-season finale episode three, Ghosts. So that's very exciting. Yes, we're very gl- we're very glad to have you on. By the time this is released, that episode will probably be out. So definitely check that out. And definitely check out, um, if you can, Woo, S, Kim, and I's uh, other show outside of Longbow Hunters, which is Tangent Time, which had its eighth episode recently, where we talked about a lot of stuff. So definitely check that out, because that's a lot of fun to record. And we got a lot of information and thoughts out there. So it's, it's probably a pretty controversial episode, so be warned. But I think it's definitely worth your time.
1: Yes, for sure. Exactly. Um, and also, we've got the Across the Airways podcast which is basically a podcast that covers all the live-action shows that are going on right now on television. And basically, we cover Castle, Person of Interest, Modern Family, Big Bang Theory, pretty much all the popular shows out there. We cover some new stuff, too, like Sleepy Hollow, Got Almost Human, which we've also added, which are great stuff. So if you want the lowdown on what I'm thinking and my co host Nico and Wu and Andy, our other co-hosts, are thinking about what's going on in television. Check out Across the Airwaves. Also, uh, because it's a big topic right now, we have a podcast called The Helicarrier Podcast, which Andy, my co-host on Across the Airwaves, does to talk in more detail about episodes of Marvel's Gages of S.H.I.E.L.D. Even though the show might not be all that great, this podcast is really well done. Basically, Andy gives some really great insight about what this show can do to improve. It can also shed some light on the things that it's doing well that should expand upon. So if you're on the fence about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., listen to this Helicarrier podcast to help you kind of wrap your brain around everything that's going on with that. Also, our podcast has an affiliation to iTunes now. If you want to help out our podcast, if you click the Download on iTunes button located on the main page of our website, or click any of the links to subscribe to this podcast or any of the others. Any of the purchases you make to the iTunes store for the next three days, a portion of that purchase will go towards helping support ATA and bring all of our podcasts to you on a weekly basis. So if you want to help out our site, be sure to click that download button. Absolutely. Also, if you'd like, you can contact our podcast in a variety of ways. With any of the thoughts that you have on any of the podcasts we have or any of the comic books we cover here on this podcast and you can contact us by visiting our website at com. and there you can email us at acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com again that's acrosstheairwaves at gmail.com you can also like us on Facebook to keep up with all the movie and TV news that we report on during the week you Can stay updated on our podcast episode releases Okay, for that same information, you can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter is Across the Airwaves. There's no thought there. It's just Across Airwaves. Or you can join our circle on Google+. Also, if you'd like, you can leave us a voicemail, which we're willing to play on air, featuring
0: your thoughts on comic books and more. Okay, what number can you call to do that, Michael? One seven seven three eight zero nine three three six three. 809 3363 Again, that 809 1-773-809-3363. Please specify that you are leaving your voicemail for Dan and Michael at the DC Nation podcast.
1: Also, um, we've got our YouTube channel which features all sorts of um, DC Nation shorts that we have covered in the past on this podcast. Could also, we have previews for upcoming movies. God, that awesome YouTube channel. Could, we've got previews for uh, newly added preview we've got is for Captain America, The Winter Soldier. And coming soon tonight, we will have a trailer for X-Men Days of Future Past.
0: It's either tonight or tomorrow.
1: Yes, tonight or tomorrow. So keep an eye on our YouTube page for that. Also, we've got a trailer for Catching Fire on there, the new Hunger Games movie coming out, and Thor The Dark World. So if yeah. you're excited about movies coming out this winter, check out those trailers on our YouTube channel. Also, if you don't want to go back through our podcast for all the ways you can contact us, you can download our Podcast Box app. And uh, with that app, you can listen to and stay in contact with our podcast through your iPad and iPhone. And if you're on an Android or Windows device, uh, you can do the same thing by downloading our Android app from the Amazon Marketplace. So once again, for our ATA core members, Nico S Kim, and Andy Babacht, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Michael J. Petty. And until our next episode... We will catch you on the airwaves! See ya, guys, and thank you for joining us for this great debate. I hope you enjoyed it, because you're not going to come after us with torches and pitchforks. See ya.